0: every random
1: chance. Take off your coat and stay a while. We're rolling that deep time
0: Hi everyone, it's Dave. Today is a day of great celebration, Kalu I've got a new listener and a new caller. Let's hear from him.
2: Hello, Dave. Uh, I'm Edwin. I'm a new listener. uh, And I'm ploughing through your backlog. I'm not sending this message for broadcast because it's about an old episode and I don't think you want to reopen the debate. But I've just got up to the bits, um, the episodes where you talk about Jonathan tweets and Robert E. Howard, and I wanted to say that I think you did those rather well, and that there is room, there is space for some serious conversations in role-playing. It's good to have light-hearted podcasts, all the fun about the dice and everything, but there are serious matters too. Um, I'd never heard a tweet, and I've never read any Howard, though I've aware of his work. But I found there was two episodes, three episodes very interesting. Thank you.
0: Edwin, thanks for calling in. It's absolutely great to hear from you. I am glad that you're getting something out of the back catalogue. As I've said before, <laughs> don't feel obliged. <laughs> but I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, I've played this message. I've got the sense that you were you, you didn't mind me playing it, but you weren't requiring me to play it. I understand that. I hope that. I hope I got that right. I am always happy to return to these earlier subjects. A Jonathan Tweet one is interesting. It looks like he hasn't got into a great deal of trouble. Um, it looks like that one has died down a bit for him, which, on re- reflection, I'm quite glad about. It looks like he's i get the sense he's learned from that he's certainly deleted the relevant tweets so there there's some obvious regret there so maybe jonathan tweet will be a little bit smarter about his uh political views and other theories um and i i do look forward to seeing what future game developments he comes up with because as a game designer I do admire him. As I mentioned on the show before he's, he's, he's been a big influence. I think he led the third edition design um, over the edge. I think that was Jonathan Tweet maybe Ars Magica he had something to do with so he has, he, he has been a, a big influence in RPGs um, but he probably just needs to think more carefully before he starts sharing his wilder conspiracy theories as for robert e howard it's certainly worth a look i think arlen yeah i think arlen um got to the heart of this really i mean if you were if you were gonna not read anybody because they personally held objectionable views or even if because those views were quite apparent in their work um you'd probably end up running out of things to read there is a lot that is good in robert e howard it's important that we can see that and also be critical of what is bad there Um, I've mentioned on a much more recent show I've mentioned Tower of the Elephant I think Tower of the Elephant is my favourite Conan story it's also my favourite dungeon crawl story it's a tower heist um, but it is you know it goes through the formation of a small adventuring party links in with the Cthulhu mythos and is just a great read so dip in there first I'll be keen to hear what you think actually in general Edwin I've got to say this about new callers in general I'd like to hear a bit about people certainly at at least in in relation to rpgs what you're playing what you're into what your favorite games favorite mechanics what you're reading call in and let us know edwin um other people if you're out there listening i'm keen to hear about you call in tell me a bit tell me something about a recent game you've played i've got i've got a percentage here of people listening in germany i notice a not insignificant um percentage but i haven't heard from any of you as far as i know I don't know, maybe someone will call in now and say, actually, I'm, I'm your German listener. It might just be one listener, I don't really know. <laughs> but if you are listening in Germany, I'd love to hear from you. Um, let me know what you're playing. Anyway, I've got another one from Edwin here. Actually, just before I play Edwin, I remember thinking Germany, I've remem- I remember I've heard Barney on Loco Ludus, mention, I think, that he lives in Bavaria. Did I get that right? I know Barney's listening occasionally, so maybe that, account- that wouldn't quite account for it. Maybe it's Barney and a friend. <laughs> maybe there's two people listening in Bavaria. That would probably account for it. Anyway, here's Edwin.
2: Hello, Dave. It's Edwin here. Uh, I'm still going through your backlog, back catalogue, and uh, I've come to the episode where you discuss the influence of critical role I thought I'd comment because I think I'm somebody who was in both camps. Um, I did play back in the 80s, and I consider myself an old game player. Old game? Old school game player. But I've also watched uh, a lot of Critical Role over the last two years, Um, and there were considerably more than 50 episodes, and I've enjoyed it. It's done a lot to bring me back into role-playing uh, and I'm going to do a Jackson I'm going to probably do a couple of Jacksons I'll talk to you in a minute. Yes I can see the argument that it's raising false expectations that D&D is beautiful people who can all do voices and emote and fill their character and since they've got sponsorship from Dwarven Forge, there are beautiful things on the table. But I think um, the benefits outweigh that. Um, it shows people enjoying the game and having fun and just the whole vista of that role-playing opens. Um, if that attracts people into the game, it's, it's a good thing. Um, my experience is... That people know the difference between what they see online or in the cinema or on telly. And sometimes they think, I'll have a go at it. I won't be do it as good, but I'll have a go. It may put GMs. I'm afraid I see um, a little bit of grumpy old man dog in the manger attitude in some of this criticism. And I don't mean from you or any of your callers. Um, just an attitude um we play DD in the snow with no shoes and we use coal for dice you know the kids the kids don't suffer these days well what the hell it's a game i don't want them to suffer um if they can come and populate the table great um i think they can tell that i'm not mad um i'll stop there the bigger problem is that it adds to um, the monoculture that is 5e. Um, but even that's not new. I remember criticism back in the day. You know, oh, it's all it's all Games Workshop now. Um, Wizards of the Coast—they're taking over the world. Um, it's not new, and it'll always be so. Crit role have played other games. Very occasionally, um, they played Honey Heist, which is an indie, and I've seen I've seen more of that since they've played. When they used Call of Cthulhu, Chaosium reported a huge surge in sales of the starter pack, and that is what I'm going to go on to in the next message. It's annoying these one-minute messages. I hope you can do something with them. Yes, Critical Role have clout now, and um, people realise that. That's why they get sponsorship on their show. Um, there were sales, as I said, at the start of pack of Cthulhu peaked. I'm old enough to call that the Delia effect. And these people aren't an indie, indie podcast. They're basically running a TV channel with all the associated overheads. Um, they realise that they're, they can get funding. I can't imagine they're now going to play indie games. They're going to go into sponsorship arrangements and get funding which goes towards what they're doing. But what they're doing is good. It's, it's not fat cats. They're, they're, they're spreading the message. Uh, and I think, as a rule, it's a good thing. I hope you can do something
0: Thanks, Edwin. I think that's a really balanced account of what's going on. I seem to remember, I haven't listened back to that episode, but I seem to remember my feelings on it were mixed. But I do recall that I was seeing at that time, I was seeing people on the Facebook group, there's a fifth edition D&D Facebook group, and I was seeing people on there going, oh, you know, I'm really embarrassed in the games because I can't do my character's voice and I have real trouble emoting and role-playing. And I did always think, oh, that's a bit of a shame because I very rarely, I very rarely do that. In my, in my black hack session, the other... Uh, yeah last week I imitated Dren's voice and that caused everybody a lot of amusement and uh, John was saying I don't sound like that <laughs> but I just yeah I think you can have a good fun session without I'm not saying I never do it but you can certainly have a good fun session without having any particular skills there because I certainly haven't got those um, but yeah I you've given me an excuse actually I mean if I call this episode clickbait if i call this episode i still haven't watched critical role then it will probably shoot right up to my (laughs) to my top five most listened the other the critical role one is still in there because people search for critical role i think and find it but maybe then maybe it also gives me an excuse a little bit down the line um to do an i've just watched critical role episode maybe i should try it out um and, uh, and and attempt an informed view a recommendation then maybe if I was going to I don't know if I'm going to start I'm, I'm certainly not going to make a commitment to listen to it long term I just don't have the time or watch it sorry long term I just don't have the time but maybe if I was going to if I was going to dive in somewhere where would I do it would it be the first episode is there a new season that you can kind of watch the first episode of and not be too too confused let me know Edwin somebody else recommendations maybe I'll maybe I'll take an evening to watch a couple of hours of Critical Role and uh, I'll let people know what I think. But thanks very much for that very balanced contribution Edwin um, and for calling in. It's great to hear from you, look forward to hearing more. Quick bonus, here is me and Jonah and Scarlett using the Village Creation drop table in the Black Hack 2nd edition uh, in preparation for my ongoing Black Hack West Marches game. Right, Joe, so we are creating a village, aren't we? We're going to create a village, village of Highmire for my game tonight using the drop table map, although it hasn't printed with the buildings on. You need this handful of D4s. Okay. How many you got there, Joe? How many did we decide was a handful? Well,
2: I just got
0: all of them. Do you want to count them and see how many was there? Right, we've got eight, so get them all in your right hand, Joe. Alright, hold them up nice and mm. high here. Yeah, jiggle them about and then drop them on the table, on the, on the mat. Ooh, you kind of put them. Oh, sorry, you put them all in the cluster. Yeah, hold them up higher and then Hi. drop them. Yeah, oh, you sure onto it it the mat. Yeah, yeah, that's alright. That's good. That's good. Alright, these one's fell off. We're going to put those back on, but we leave these where they are. In fact, let's mark where they are so that we don't write. So we've got nothing there, nothing there. What do you fancy, theatre or guild for that one? Uh, guild. Guild, okay, we've got a guild. Yeah, let's, actually, let's drop all of them again because they mostly fell off on that. Here you go. Oh, thank you. Okay, do it again. Great, okay. So we've got You've a. Got jewel, yeah we'll have jeweller, should we have tavern as well? Tavern. Should we have noble manor? Good. Let's just do four and see if you can drop some over in there. Right, so we've got Yeah, what else have we got? Court, Courthouse and Temple. Good. Okay, that's good, that's a rival temple, because we've already got a big temple just outside this village. We've got a rival temple. Yes, all right Scarlett, so we've got, um, oh, I didn't, we didn't look at, okay, we need to roll. What we're supposed to do for each of these is we're supposed to look at the number that lands on here, but we didn't look, so we need to write down that number for each of these buildings. So can you roll for Noble Manor for me Scarlett, this one, and you know, we read the number at the top on this one. Okay, so we've got, what number? Okay, so that Noble Manor is struggling, brilliant. So already a story presents itself. Okay, roll for the courthouse for us. Three. Three, which is thriving. So there's a thriving, well-kept courthouse. Good. Joe, do you want to roll some? You've yeah. got a die there. The jeweller, maybe. Okay, we do that for the temple, Scarlet. Yeah. So there's an exclusive temple, okay. It's cool. Okay, that's all. So the jeweller is struggling as well. Excellent. Would you do for the market and for the tavern? Did you decide it was getting robbed, Jonah? I'm Mm -hmm. going to write that down. Filled was being robbed. Okay. Four. Which one was yours for? Market or tavern? For the market, did he say? Right. That's exclusive or fashionable. We're going to say that's a fashionable Uh market. Okay. And for the tavern? Thanks, Joe. So that is a thriving and well-kept tavern. Okay, so High Myra's got a struggling noble manor, a thriving courthouse, a fashionable market, an exclusive temple, a thriving tavern. Oh, we need one more. Joe, would you do the guild for me? Yes, I shall. Okay. Um, It is a four. Four. So again, that's an exclusive guild. Okay. I wonder what kind of guild, what kind of profession that is devoted to. So there's lots of other buildings, but we decide that they're either... Um, abandoned or residential I mean, people have got to live in our village so we've got lots of residential buildings about the place as well Mm -hmm. Um, good, okay thanks very much, that is Highmeyer, done let's squeeze a quick call in here as well shall we this is John Allen Large of Red Dice Diaries and fellow contributor to the Purple Worm podcast thanks for calling John this is in response a couple of episodes ago to my criticism of fantasy flight games star wars
1: hey david's john here from the red dice diaries i don't know if i'd say ffg star wars was unplayable i mean i ran a fair few games of it played in a few is it my favorite star wars system no not really is it a bit crunchy yeah Worthy? was the marketing quite cynical and was the amount of gameable material Waffer thinly spread out between a million or so books yes most definitely but to be honest if we're going to talk about cynical marketing let's talk about a company that comes up with a dice mechanic that involves dice with unusual symbols on and then doesn't pick a consistent set of symbols between games basically forcing people to either mess around adapting them and looking at tables to see what symbols mean what or to buy different dice sets each time they run a game. Anyway, enjoy the episode, dude. Take care and I'll catch you soon.
0: Yeah, thanks for the call in, John. I think we're in broad agreement. Maybe I did express it a little bit strongly as unplayable. Um, I just think (sighs) one's hopes and expectations with a Star Wars game are always so high. Um, And that one really did fall short of them um, on reflection. It's just really that frustrating mix of such a potentially rich, uh, and sort of light, but narratively rich dice mechanic with bizarre amounts of unnecessary weapon detail crunch, you know all kinds of detail that nobody ever cares about in Star Wars, a blaster's a blaster, doesn't matter what size it is, doesn't matter what capacities the stormtrooper blasters might have, whether they do more damage or fire faster you know whatever Han Solo's holding is going to come out on top (laughs) it just all seems unnecessary Um, and then as you say that very cynical uh, marketing ploy with all those splat books it just you know it doesn't it, it, it doesn't add up to make you kindly disposed towards them I think it doesn't treat fans very well I look forward to chatting again John Actually, maybe I haven't got Star Wars quite right. There, there is a sort of bizarre weapon fetishism in the movies, isn't there? Boba Fett's got all that cool stuff, never does him any good. There's that ludicrous weapon, the the big automatic weapon in Rogue One. Um, so there are there are the, there are these things which are there. You know, there are they are fetishized, Actually, some of the some of the weapons, but but still, that that bizarre crunchy way in which you've got to uh, interpret your various die rolls specifically in combat just really wound me up thank you for listening if you'd like to contact
2: dave please leave a message on anchor email d at gmail.com or find him on twitter at d underscore percentile